Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. Good morning, everybody. It's normally around this time that I introduce myself to everybody. And when I was back there just waiting, the Lord asked me a question. He said, who are you? And so my, my mind automatically went to the typical way that I, that I introduced myself. But then he put in my heart to go look at Romans 12 and 1, excuse me, Romans 1 and 1. And he told me to look at the way Paul introduced himself. Now, you may not know, but Paul wasn't born Paul. He was born Saul. And he had a stellar career. Very well educated, which was rare back then. People would have looked at his resume in awe of all the accomplishments that he took place. But he had an actual come to Jesus moment face to face with the king that changed his life forever. And he was given a brand new identity. So when he gets to the book of Romans, Romans was the most powerful nation at that time. And when he wrote his letter, he introduced himself the way that Jesus introduced him to the world. And so when he asked me, who are you? I answered like this, Talib, a servant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, I think he started this conversation with me, but he really is talking to you also. I wonder how many of you all are a little less than hesitant to call yourself what God called you. It's a little uncomfortable. It's a little pretentious. It's actually easier to just sit in what you know, what you're used to. It takes courage from the Holy Spirit to acknowledge who you are in him. You know what the devil loves to do? Distort your identity. This ain't even the message, but you need to hear me. He loves to confuse your identity because there's so much power available when you know who you are in him. But some of us are walking in a false humility. That's really fear. But you, oh, you know, I'm not really big on titles. I'm just me. But you need to walk carefully because what you could be saying is, Lord, what you said isn't good enough. I prefer my own definition. So my question to you is what God's question to me was. Who are you? What happened in your heart right there when I posed that question? What type of fear jumped up? You can't even really form your mouth all the way to answer the question the way that you know the Holy Spirit 
is leading you to answer the question. You know why? Because the devil don't want you free. I want you to walk carefully today because God has issued a challenge to you to identify yourself properly from this day forward. He's not playing patty cake with you no more. He called you his son. He called you his daughter. When are you going to acknowledge? When are you going to walk in who he made you to be? And why does it scare you? Why can't you declare over yourself what the Lord has declared over you? Because you have an enemy. You have an enemy that is relentless and is making it his business to minimize your call. Hear me carefully. He wants you to keep minimizing your call so that you can continue to walk in minimal power. But you calling it humble. You take the H off. I'm just being humble. No, you're being powerless. You're being a coward. And the Lord is challenging you today. Starting with me. Who are you? And if you don't know, that's fine. I want to encourage you to go to the source of your identification, though. His name is Holy Spirit. And you can ask him, you can call on him, and he will answer. And he will identify you properly. The rest will be up to you. Here at All Nations of War, we are, we are going in a certain direction. Nothing that we've been conversating about for these last 12 and a half months has been accidental or random. <laughs> the Lord is guiding us to a certain place. And the conversations that we've been having have been a part of his plan. I want you to understand this. Some of you have been here from the beginning. Some of you are just visiting. You might be here for the first time. This was God's idea. This wasn't Tyler or Ty's idea. This was God's idea. And we just decided to be obedient with what he had to say. But I've seen what this will be. And I can't tell you all of it. But the little preview that I can give you is that this is a multi-ethnic and a multi-generational church on purpose because God has called us to come together 
from different backgrounds, different political affiliations, different stories, different denominations, different worldviews to come into his house to worship him and to be an example to this region and ultimately to this world of what happens when people unite under the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I shared that to posture your heart properly. That you're not sitting here as just some Christian thing to do. It's Sunday morning, let me go to church. You are on assignment. From heaven. We have work to do. Because we're not going to just be connecting inside this house from different backgrounds, but the Lord is sending us outside of this house to represent him to people who ain't like us. To people who are very different from us. And that's why we've been moving the way that we've been moving, because the Lord is preparing you for what is to come. I know you're used to what has been. But from the beginning of this assignment, we have declared to you that the Lord told us that we are building something different. Not better. We are building something different. It's something you haven't seen before. And it's going to require you to be somebody that you have never been before. You can't pour new wine into old wineskins. And so that's why we started this conversation this month called No Offense. Because you and I can no longer afford to be easily offendable when the Lord is sending us to people who are not like us. That would be a recipe for disaster. And so the Lord has been pushing us in this direction to look within ourselves to find out what needs to change in order for us to become who he needs us to be for this work and this assignment. And so last week we talked about the best defense for offense or the best defense for offense, depending on how fancy you talk. And so he told us that we got to be slow to speak, quick to listen and slow to anger. Why? Because we're going to need it for where we are going. And so part two of this ongoing conversation, I'm calling selective outrage. Hmm. I borrowed it from, from Chris Rock. Now, I haven't seen it yet. I'm a big comedy fan, but my schedule has been too much and I haven't been able to sit down and watch. But the name spoke to me. Because we all know the drama that he went through and that he's addressing. And so when it said selective outrage, I was like, huh. 
That's interesting. Because by definition, selective outrage happens when people become completely hysterical over what one person or group of people says or does, but ignores or censors their reaction when somebody else does the same exact thing. We have selective outrage. We decide the direction and the propensity of our outrage, whether we recognize it or not. But for the believer, selective outrage means something a little different. And so I'm going to invite us to look at the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church at Ephesus. And we're just going to walk through a few passages of scripture. I'll read all the scriptures and then we will unpack them one by one. I'm in Ephesians 4 and 26 and it says, And do not sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Don't use foul or abusive language, y'all cussing Christians. Let everything you say be good and helpful. You're getting uncomfortable already. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge you because we recognize in this moment that we have fallen short of your glory, and we want more than anything to be who you created us to be. Help us in our pursuit of you. Help us to get uncomfortable enough to pick up our cross and follow you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, selective outrage. What is God telling us? So let's go back to the beginning of this passage of scripture in verse 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. So the good news is that anger isn't sin. In and of itself, anger is an emotion that was gifted to us from God. God is not opposed to us having emotions. What he is opposed to is letting them control you. Your, your emotions are there for a purpose but you're supposed to be in charge of your emotions and your emotions are not supposed to be in charge of you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. There is no victory in being offended. I mean, I've never gone through my day feeling better about myself because I was offended at someone. I mean, I've never parented my children well with a heart full of offense. My marriage doesn't get stronger 
when offense is present. Why? Because there is no victory in being offended. It's an L every single time. And most of the time, we're walking around offended at someone who's spending no brain cells thinking about us. Not one. But we're rehearsing over and over and over again what that person did to offend us. Spending way too many brain cells on someone or something or a situation that doesn't merit our time. And what the Apostle Paul is warning us is that your offense is leading to anger. And if you don't regulate that anger, that anger could lead you to sin. L. Because you do not win. I know you find some type of dysfunctional comfort in being offended. I know that you can't wait to identify the next offense. But what you need to know is that you're setting yourself up for a loss, a loss of time, a loss of joy, a loss of happiness, a loss of relationship, a loss of peace. Because you are offended. You got to understand how powerful of an emotion offense is and how much is controlling you and keeping you from being who you're supposed to be. This verse says, when you sit in that offense, you give the devil a foothold. Now my brain is a little basic sometimes, so I didn't, before I even got deep, I had a picture in my mind of somebody holding my foot. Think about that for a second. When you sit in your offense, you are allowing your enemy to grab a hold of your foot and prevent you from making progress. You can't move. You can't grow. You can't move forward. You can't progress. You can't get to your new season. You can't elevate. Because you have given, that word says give. You give your enemy a foothold when you sit there in your anger and your offense. And you're wondering and you're praying like, Lord, I can't seem to move forward. I can't seem to grow. I can't seem to hear you. And he's saying it's because you gave your enemy a foothold. He's preventing you from progress, but his prevention of your progress was invitational. You allowed it. You understand that the enemy can't do what you don't allow. Your enemy is not all powerful. Your enemy is not all-knowing. You are relinquishing power. You are relinquishing control 
when you sit in that offense, when you decide I'm going to be offended. Now we are human, say I'm a human. So the likelihood of you never being offended, it's not realistic. And I'm only talking from the lifelong journey that I've been on. Because I used to be easily offended. Growing up, you only had to say two words to catch this right hand. Yo, mama. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. Green light, you're going down. And so just over time, I had to grow. I had to mature. I can't say that it was something that I was being super intentional about. I just think it was God working on me because he knew, obviously, where he wanted me to go. And so now it takes a lot to offend me. I can still be offended. Be clear. I don't swing as quick. Don't worry. But the likelihood of never being offended, that's not realistic. But here's something that you need to let settle in your heart. Being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. Come on. You're going to be offended. Some of you won't make it to the parking lot without being offended. <laughs> Nothing you can do about that. But you make the choice, selective outrage, whether you're going to live in your offense. If it's going to be a part of your life. I spent some time last year being offended at some stuff. But I made the decision that I wasn't going to live there. You know what happens when you decide that you're no longer going to take residency in offense? You become more at peace. Some of you are in internal warfare, not because of a demon, although it may be that as well. But a lot of your peace has been stolen by your offense. Some of y'all can't see a person in particular without your whole internal life being set on fire. I mean, you feel the fire. It ain't the Holy Ghost fire either. <laughs> you see that person post something on social media. So sidebar, why are you following somebody you're offended at? I don't get it. But you still post on social media. And you just start. It don't make no sense. But your offense is robbing you. It's stealing from you. It's wiping you out. 
I've been there. Social media has this thing that you can hit called unfollow. Mute. Log off. Do something to get yourself from the place of offense. But if we look deeper at this word foothold, in the Greek, it's the word tobas. This can be translated as an opportunity and can also refer to a place or a room. Meaning that when you decide to live in your offense, you're saying, devil, come on in. Make yourself at home. I have a room for you. How are you going to be hospitable to the devil? Wonder why you can't hear from God. Well, maybe you need to serve an eviction notice first for the tenant that you let into your life because you sat in your offense. That doesn't take away what they did. It doesn't minimize what happened. I think we do a poor job of trying to throw Christian fairy dust over people's pain. Just believe God. Just have faith. No, no, pain is real. Things happen that make us not feel good, that cause trauma. It's all real. But we have power that we can tap into. We have power over the authority that the enemy had once in our lives. One of the first things we can do is become unoffended. Will that take away all the pain? No, but it'll take away the foothold. Because a foothold, by definition, militarily, is a place that allows your enemy to get a better position to cause more damage down the line. So by becoming unoffended, you eliminate his ability to take a stronger position in your life. That's step one. You have to realize what is at stake by little old offense. When you allow the enemy to grab your foot to take a stronger position, it's not just in one area. The Bible says that you are allowing him to take a foothold in your life. He gets to run rampant over every area of your life because of the access you gave him through your offense. Why do you think he keeps you mad at your spouse? Because he's trying to get up in that thing. So you got to decide, I don't want to give the enemy a foothold in my marriage. I know I don't. Don't she look good? I always put her in front because she's fine. But I don't want the enemy to have a foothold in my marriage. I love her too much. She is a gift. I need her. 
And we need our marriage to be strong to be all that God created our marriage to become. So it's important that we work on, as husband and wife, not letting offense take up residence. I don't want it in my children. Ain't that cute? I don't want it in my children. Because they are arrows, according to the Bible, that we are sending out into the world. And I want them to be sent out with the grace, the love, and the spirit of the living God, not being groomed in offense. So even when they have little stuff going on with each other, we break it up like, ah, 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 McNeely's against everybody. We don't play that. Because offense can do too much damage. So I also don't want it in my friends. Why would you, why would you let your friendship be corrupted by the spirit of offense? Why would you let those relationships be damaged because you won't have a conversation? You let that offense fester and turn into something that it does not need to be. And I don't want it in my church. This assignment is too important for me to allow myself to become offended to the point that I can't do what God called me to do. Because that's his goal. His goal is to get you off track through little old offense. Is any of this true for you, though? Do you realize that your offense could corrupt your marriage, your children, your friends, and your ministry? We all have a ministry, whether you're a pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist, or a teacher. You don't got to be none of those, and you still have a ministry assignment. Because everybody ain't one of the fivefold. Just let me just throw that out there. So you can relax. But you all have a kingdom assignment. And offense can get in the way of that. I'm sorry, my Siri going off. Siri got offended. And so, um, it's important to me that I do all that I can in my imperfect self to keep offense out. Now, my brain is a little funny. Can I take y'all into my, my brain real quick? When I was studying, I was asking myself a question. I said, man, if I was on Team Satan, which I'm not, and I was in a strategy session with the rest of the demons, I would come up with a game plan to destroy God's people through offense. There was four strategies that I could think of that I would use if I was a demon, and I'm not, to make sure that you don't become who God called you to be. I would use offense to divide families, friends, and churches. I would let offense come between the people that you care about the most. I would find some small way to throw a little grenade in there, a little misunderstanding, make sure that y'all don't talk about it. And I would let offense grow to the point that y'all 
no longer can put y'all gifts together to move the kingdom forward. And that instead you all went your separate ways and took your separate power in two different directions. I would definitely blow up every marriage I possibly could through offense because that's, that's the first thing that God established was a marriage. He established a marriage before he established a church. He established a marriage before he established a ministry gift. So I would get right up in there, cause you to be offended at the toilet seat not being let down. Do y'all not speak for a few days? I couldn't think of nothing else. But I would make sure if I was a demon, and I'm not. That y'all would be beefing. Because that's a win for my team. And that's a loss for your team. Number two, I would distract Christians from their purpose. Yeah. That's why you mad at pastor such and such. Because in their humanity, they failed you. But in their failure in humanity, now you are questioning your ability to be a minister of the gospel. Another W for the devil. Two for the price of one. I would make sure that you was too busy to grow spiritually in your calling. Make it all about your career. Make it all about your kids. Make it all about everything but your purpose. That would be a W for the devil. If you were too busy to pursue God's call on your life. That's what I would do. Number three, I would discredit their witness. Make you look crazy to the world to the point that you could never win them. This past week, my wife and I, we had a, a, a meeting with somebody. And it was a long meeting. It was a business, business thing. And we sitting there, y'all, for hours. <laughs> I don't like long meetings. I'm sitting there thinking of all the stuff that I could be doing, but I'm sitting here in this meeting and you are moving slow. Could you please hurry up? Now I got a hat on, I got a mask on, so they can't really see nothing about me. So I'm frustrated, right? My whole body, like I'm slouched in the chair. I'm like, man. I'm looking at my watch. And, and, and they get to the part of the paperwork, and they was like, okay, what's your occupation? I said, entrepreneur. I'm a businessman. And then my wife jumped in, and a pastor. I'm like, so, so now I got to straighten up. I got to take all this frustration off my face. <laughs> Correct posture in the chair. I mean, he stopped me doing, oh, really? You a pastor? I'm like, yes, sir. Bless God. Amen. 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 The God, God is good. Amen. God is good all the time. 
And all the time, God is good. I got to put my pastor voice on. Make sure my hat ain't cocked to the left or the right. Why? Because you don't want to discredit your witness, man. You got to be on point at all times. But if I was the devil, I would do all I can to let offense jump in your system to the point that you're not even a credible witness to the kingdom of God anymore. That's what I would do. Last one. I would I would deter them from God's word. Because when you have no definition for who you are, according to him, then other people's definitions sound pretty intelligent. When people can string together some really cool words and they have some charisma and they seem like they know what they're doing and they tell you this, that and the other. If you don't have God's word hidden in your heart, it sounds believable. So if I was the devil and I'm not, I would make sure you weren't reading your word so that you won't know who you are. That way I can do whatever I want to do with you because you're clueless about your identity. Verse 26, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Here's the second part. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. The first part of the verse is a quote from Psalm 4 and 4, which emphasizes the importance of not letting that anger control us. Again, God didn't create robots. He created sons and daughters. You're going to get angry. You're going to get offended. You're going to get emotional, but you don't allow it to control you. Because anger itself isn't necessarily sinful, but when it leads us to act in ways that are contrary to God's word, because that's what anger will do, it will turn you into someone you're not. You turn into the Hulk. You turn into a monster that nobody wants to be around, that nobody wants anything to do with, because you let anger fester. You let anger grow and you let anger take control. So let's talk about that sun going down. The second part of the verse provides a practical application. It's a practical instruction. So the first half says, listen, don't let anger take control of your life. And then he gives you a practical principle that you can use in your efforts to not allow anger to take control. They have clocks or calendars. They have the sun to measure time. And so Paul's admonition to them and to us is to not let the day expire without dealing with it. Again, he's not saying that you won't be offended. But what he is saying is that you can address it. You can deal with it. You can make sure that the anger doesn't take control, that the anger doesn't become in charge, that the offense doesn't rule you, but that you stay in the driver's seat of the situation. He's saying this, and, and, and to make it simple, he's saying that you have the power to make the day of your hurt also the day of your healing. The same day that you got hurt, you have the power to make it the same day you get healed. 
one way or the other. You see, sometimes you can address things and the other party doesn't get it, but at least you got it out. And you can move right on with your life. But the opposite is if you let that sun go down, it can grow. If you let that sun go down, it can become stronger. If you let that sun go down, you could lose control of the situation. But you can make the day of your hurt the day of your healing if you decide that that's what you want. If that's a strategy that you decide I'm going to put into practice. So there are several ways that we can make this verse come to life in our lives because it's not easy dealing with those people. Those people get on our nerves. Those people make us mad. But they're still God's people. And we still got to deal with it. Even if we share a last name. <laughs> and jewelry on our fingers. We got to deal with it. So that the enemy does not get a foothold. So that the enemy does not take up residence. So that the enemy no longer has the power to hold us back. So the first thing is you got to recognize the source of the offense. Sometimes you're just dealing with the thing that's right in front of you, but the thing that's right in front of you may not be the root. It may just be a fruit. So you need to recognize, why am I actually offended by this? Because sometimes it's justified and sometimes it's an overreaction. And so you just need to take a moment to identify where did my offense come from? Is it a result of what they did or is it a deeper issue that I have not addressed within myself? Which is it? Second step is to take a step back. When we feel angry, it can be helpful to take a step back and remove ourselves from the situation for a while. This can give you the time that you need to cool off so that you can engage the conversation, the situation, the offense with a level head, with a calmness that could lead to the third step, which is to seek reconciliation. That's hard because when you're offended, you ain't trying to reconcile. You're trying to get your point across. When you are offended, you're not trying to reconcile. You're trying to let them know why they were wrong and you were right. But if our anger is directed at another person, it's important to seek reconciliation as soon as we can. This might involve having a conversation that leads to a resolution. Again, every conversation won't lead there. But was the effort made? That's going to go a long way in evicting the devil out of the situation. Number four, practice forgiveness. Forgiveness is an essential part of living out this verse. Can I help you real quick? You only have to forgive somebody if they've done you wrong. So that means you're going to get done wrong. 
Because why would the Bible have so many verses on forgiveness unless you are going to have to learn how to forgive people? And the only way that you are able to forgive people is if people do you wrong. So people doing you wrong is just a part of your development process. People doing you wrong is how you grow spiritually. Or it's how you regress spiritually. Last one is seek support. Sometimes y'all can't work it out alone. Sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need a third party to talk to you objectively with no feelings involved to help you see your blind spot or to help them see their blind spot so that you can walk this scripture out. Sometimes you're going to need some help. This next part is going to be a troublesome part for y'all. Because I'm going to read another scripture and y'all don't be reading y'all Bibles. So you don't even know it's in here. <laughs> Ephesians 4 and 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. I mean, y'all be on Facebook cussing. I'm so confused. I said, I know you don't read your Bible. Don't use foul or abusive language. I told you some of y'all weren't going to make it to the parking lot without being offended. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything, turn to your neighbor and say everything. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. How much of your days and weeks and months go towards encouragement versus discouragement. How many of your sentences lead to slander versus edification? How many of your conversations are gossip versus peace? You hear that holy hush? <laughs> I'm trying to prepare us for where we're going. We're going to be dealing with people who didn't grow up the way that you grew up, who don't like the same foods you like, don't listen to the same music you listen to, don't vote the way you vote. What you going to do then if you're still easily offended? We're trying to do the pre-work now for where we are going as a church. You're going to have to grow up to be prepared for who God is trying to make you into. You're going to have to go and witness to people who are not like you. You're going to go have to serve people who don't think like you. What you going to do then when they say the wrong thing to you, Christian? you going to do then when they present a point of view and a perspective that's the complete opposite of yours what you going to do then because that day is coming 
And so I think it's important that we work on ourselves and our circle and our relationships now. I think we need to practice now for what's to come. So I'm going give to you, give you six tips. Well, I'm going to give you a, bo a bonus one that's not even going to be on the screen. Stop cussing. Okay. Let's get that one on out. All right. Ephesians 4 and 29. How are we going to live this out? Never call names. Like I know, depending on where you're from, you can come up with some real creative ways to denigrate somebody and call them out their name. But it's not kingdom. It might be Southside, but it ain't kingdom. So you want to be kingdom or you want to be Southside? You want to be kingdom or you want to be for the West West? East side of Roar, West side. What, what, whatever you want to call it, you're going to have to decide. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be kingdom. So never call names. Never raise your voice. You can't achieve peace yelling. I told y'all some of y'all ain't going to make it to the parking lot. Hmm? Hmm? You gonna yell at him and then quote a scripture? Hmm? You can't be a witness with multiple personalities. You, you either kingdom or you not. So calm down. And that includes your little text messages with all capital letters. Listen, I'm going to assume you're yelling at me. You can keep them caps and them exclamation points to yourself. Talk to me in lowercase. The kingdom uses lowercase text. Don't call names, don't raise your voice. Don't get historical. Don't get historical. The Bible tells us that love keeps no record of wrongs. So stop going back to 1998 when we in 2023. Like, let's deal with what's in front of us. Stop keeping a record of wrongs. Never say always or never. Because it ain't true. You always, you never. It's not true. It's just not true. So avoid throwing those words out there. If you're married, never threaten divorce. Don't do it. Don't even give that seed the ability to grow. Never threaten divorce. This last one is the most important one. Please screenshot this. Never quote your pastor during a fight. Leave me out of it. Mm-mm. 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 I'm at home with my wife. I ain't got nothing to do with that. That is not healthy. You stick to the situation at hand. 
pastor is good at the crib. Leave me alone. You can say Jesus said. I'm like, you know what pastor said? No, 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 no. Bad idea. Because then they're going to look at me sideways next Sunday in the hallway. I don't need that type of stress in my life. So y'all just handle it on your own. You know what? There's this, there's this thing that goes around in the body of Christ. I used to say it too. We like to justify sometimes the anger and we call it a righteous anger. How many have heard that? A righteous. I have a righteous anger. I can righteously be angry about this situation. Because, you know, that ain't God. And what they're doing is ungodly. So I can righteously be angry and that's okay. But we never like combine the word righteous with any other destructive force. Because anger is a destructive force. And we never take that word righteous and put it with another destructive force or a sin. Like we never say, I'm like, I'm like righteously a glutton. Like I'm just going to eat everything in Jesus' name. I'm going to go to the buffet and go crazy because the Lord provided this food for me, so I'm going to be righteously a glutton. Oh, here's one. I'm going to be righteously lustful. I mean, he gave me these emotions. He gave me these desires. So, you know, since it came from God, I'm going to be a righteous, lustful person. We like to, we like to say, you know, since marijuana came from the ground, never mind, that's a, that's a different argument. But we never take that word righteous and put it with another sin. We never say, I'm righteously greedy. Like, God gave me this money, so I have the righteousness to be greedy with it. So I'm not paying no tithe. You see how it don't work when you put it next to something else? So why are we so comfortable with being righteously angry? We're just angry. We're just offended. Let's just call it what it is and recognize that it's not God. It's not his best for us. It's holding us back. The next verse says, get rid of all bitterness. Why would we, why would we be able to keep it if he's telling us to get rid of it? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. So how are you going to be righteously angry when he's telling you to get rid of it? Do all that you can not to. Harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. I'm a church kid. I've been in church since I was three. Been in church my whole life. Now, I used to get in trouble a lot. And the Christian way that kids used to uh, get on punishment was, at least where, where I was, I couldn't watch TV, but I could watch Christian TV. Anybody else? Okay. So when I got in trouble, one of the, the parameters of my punishment was you can watch no TV unless it's the Christian station. Back then it was W6, uh, uh, Channel 62. Huh? Wasn't no cable? 
Channel 62, Channel 38. Okay? And if you was a, 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 a Christian kid, a church kid back in like the 80s and, and 90s, there was this show called The Gospel Bill Show. He was like the Christian Mr. Rogers. And I love the show because it would have like a theme and they would like go through something. And then at the end, Gospel Bill would like give like a devotional at the end to tie everything together that you just saw so that you could be more like Jesus. And he was talking to kids like my age. Well, y'all, last week I got to meet Gospel Bill. I got to hang out with Gospel Bill last week in Oklahoma. I went to this ranch that's, that's his, and it's huge. It's like 12,000 acres. And he opened it, he bought it, and opened it for pastors to be able that, that he can come and, and pour into them because he was actually a pastor for, for 35 years at this huge church in Oklahoma called Church on the Move. And so now he just spends his time Pouring into pastors, pouring into pastors. That's what he does. His son took over the church, and now he just pours into pastors. And so I, I was sitting there with a group of pastors, and he just started talking. All of us, like, pulled out our phones and, and got the notes app going because he was just pouring. He was just pouring, pouring, pouring. And then he got to a certain point. He told this story. He said that he used to catch a lot of flack for his television show, The Gospel Bill Show. I said, I said, you Gospel Bill? Why they mad at you, Gospel Bill? How they mad at Gospel Bill? He's trying to help the kids know Jesus. And he gave some examples of, of people would take one little thing from the story and get offended. And he said he used to get hate mail. Like he used to get these letters. So let me help you. A letter. It's like an old school text message. Paper. Pen. Envelope. Stamp. Okay, are we all caught up now? Okay. So he used to get these letters in the mail, and people used to just be saying all kind of stuff. And he, and he was telling us, man, I, I, would spend, I would spend all this energy because, I, you know, I'm ready to write them back. He was like, I'll pull out, didn't like it, I'll throw it away, and then I, I would keep doing more and more drafts until I got it just right. And he said, man, I would look up, and sometimes I spent 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour trying to respond to one piece of hate mail. And there's people outside of my office that love me, that want to meet with me, but I'm spending this energy on somebody who just offended me. And he said, man, I was wasting my life on people who don't matter. He said, I made a decision. I told my assistant, I said, you check the letters as they come in. If it's any like this, I want you to take them outside and burn them. I'm done giving my energy and being offended at these people. He said instantly he felt better. He said he was able to focus on what God was calling him to do, and he stopped worrying about the few people who weren't in alignment with what God was calling him to do. He said like three or four months went by, and he asked his assistant one day, he said, hey, just out of curiosity, how many of those letters have you had to burn since I told you to do it? She said, zero. As soon as he made up in his mind, he wasn't going to worry about being offended. The devil no longer had a foothold 
and not one more letter showed up. You can make a decision within yourself. I'm not going to be offended anymore. And as soon as you decide to evict the devil out of your life, as soon as you decide that he's no longer going to have a foothold, watch how things turn around. Here's what you should do instead. Verse 32, be kind to each other. Come on, we're talking about the kingdom. I'm not talking about your family. I'm not talking about how you've seen other people do things. I'm talking about how we do in the kingdom. Be kind to each other. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. So he's telling you even good meaning people are going to make you mad. Forgive them. Why? Because God, through Christ, has forgiven you. So, stop normalizing dysfunction. Stop making it okay to hold grudges for 10 years. Stop making it okay to be offended. For season after season after season, you've been offended so long that you forgot what offended you in the first place. You just know you offended about something that they did. I just can't place it right now. But they was wrong. And even if you know what it is, you still lose it. Even if it's justified, you are the one that's being held back from their progress, not them, because they're not offended. You are. We're going to close with this, a prayer. Because sometimes the offense runs so deep, the hurt is so strong, the trauma is so palatable that we don't know how to get free, that we don't know how to move on. We can't lose sight of the fact that it's selective outrage. But we have a choice. We can select whether we were going to deal with it or whether we're going to move on. But this prayer is a dangerous prayer. Because if God does it, you're going to have to deal with it. The psalmist says, search me, O God. That right there is dangerous. Because the heart is evil, deceitful, wicked. But this prayer says, so search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So not only are you asking God to check out your heart, but to check out your thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Do you want God to search you? Do you want God to find the things in your heart that are not like him and remove them? 
or do you just like your offense so much? Are you so comfortable in your dysfunction that you'd rather not have the great I am search you out? It's a question you're going to have to answer. Because this is our prayer for you today. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let's stand. Selective outrage gives you the ability to decide. Your outrage, your anger, your offense is not in control. You are. And the final thought is being offended is inevitable. Living in offense is a choice. Selective outrage. Are you going to live there? Are you going to give the devil a foothold to be able to grasp, prevent you from your progress? Little old offense is a hindrance to your destiny. Your offense is a hindrance to your destiny. And even with all that, you're still, I can feel you holding on to that offense, but you don't know what they did. Correct. And I don't care. What I do care about is you becoming who God created you to be. And I know that that offense that you're harboring is in the way. It's shackling you. It's so destructive that you remember it verbatim 17 years later. Wow. You know what they had on. You know the scene of the environment that you were in. It's still vivid, HD clarity, and it's in the way. So which is more important, your destiny or your offense? Which means more to you? Who's going to have the power? God or your enemy, the devil? This is a decision that you have to make within. It doesn't take away from what they did, but it takes away the power of the enemy to let what they did have authority over you anymore. Take your power back. The Lord has granted it to you. And he wants more for you. Because you're only partially who you're supposed to be. You're only partially moving in the power and the authority that God granted you. You're only kind of, sort of, in your purpose. Because you got somebody holding your ankle that you gave permission to. So make that selection now and evict 
your enemy by allowing yourself to no longer be offended. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. You have come into this room from start to finish and we appreciate your presence. We appreciate the fact that you've given us power and authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions. We thank you for your healing power that has come to set the captive free. Lord, as we surrender to you and we endeavor to be more like you, we ask that you be in the midst of our efforts, giving us the strength that we need to change every part of ourselves that needs to be changed. Holy Spirit, we surrender so that your perfect will can be done in our hearts and in our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.